Hello and welcome to another podcast. My name is Andrew Wetzel. I'm a full-time agent with Long & Foster in southeastern Pennsylvania. I'm also a realtor, an associate broker, an ethics instructor, co-chair professional standards at Tri-County Suburban Realtors, and a mediator. I've been moving sellers and buyers since 1996. Thank you as always for taking the time to listen. Today's topic is the 2022 real estate market, bubble or not. I listed and sold real estate during the build-up to the crash of 2008. I contend that this market is not the same. Let me explain. Google defines bubble as a good or fortunate situation that is isolated from reality or unlikely to last. Good? Fortunate? That depends on your perspective, which makes the definition vague, allowing people to see both markets as more similar than they really are. Whatever you think caused the crash in 2008, I'll focus on my personal experiences. Starting around 2002, the specific months and years involved varied across the country. Interest rates dropped dramatically to generate buyer interest. Interestingly enough, the rates that created that heated market are very much like what we see today, which have many people complaining about rising rates. How is that for perspective? In addition, and very troubling, lending standards back then loosened dramatically. The changes included a reduction in the minimum credit score required to qualify for a loan, as well as increased ratios, meaning that prospective buyers could use more of their gross and net income to buy real estate. Ever hear the phrase, house poor? Let me digress for a moment. I've always asserted that the smartest people on the planet worked in finance of some sort. Not to disparage other professions, but it's impressive to see how financial people use data to make decisions. I wish analytics in sports were as good, but the issues with them likely relate to who is using them. Here's my point. Lenders are not in the business to loan money, nor are they in the business to turn down creditworthy borrowers. There are no awards for most declined business. Lenders are in business to make money, plain and simple, and they do that by lending money to creditworthy borrowers. Many companies quickly sell their loans as investments in the borrowers using the real estate they buy as collateral if the borrower defaults. They do not want to evict people to take ownership of real estate. Doing that in addition to the emotion of displacing homeowners, many of which are families, is costly and time-consuming perhaps costing them tens of thousands of dollars. And too often, the houses are in disrepair. There are two major components to making loans. First, the prospective borrowers must demonstrate their credit worthiness. Many joke that lenders will only lend money to people who can prove that they don't need the money. Lenders use metrics to assess how viable a prospect is. I don't know how they determine the benchmarks they use, but do not believe that they intentionally discriminate, although I'm sure that some people let personal bias affect how they do business. Others may commit fraud to enrich themselves. I'll focus on how things are meant to work. The standards are the same for all people as far as I know, so just because one group seems disadvantaged by the metrics does not prove anything wrong happened. That's a lesson I think many need to learn. The second component is an appraisal of the property to ensure that the lender is making a smart investment and worst case scenario, 
can recover their money should the borrower default. I've heard of many issues where some allege that specific groups suffer bias with appraisals, but think some of that may have to do with the location, features, and condition rather than simply assuming that appraisal issues relate to the owners or prospects, but that's a subject for another day. During the years 2002 through 2008, it seemed like many borrowers with lower credit scores and higher ratios than used historically were buying homes. The ends seemed to justify the means and help sell a lot of houses enriching many people. It also seemed like every sale created a new high for the local market. Then the market hit a wall. It was destined to happen regardless of what many thought. How many sellers turned down good offers assuming others were coming? How many buyers thought they could delay buying? Delaying likely benefited buyers more than sellers unless the buyers were truly able to finance and own real estate. Unfortunately, many borrowers were sold adjustable interest rate loans to qualify with little consideration about what would happen when their interest rates reset to higher fixed rates. In addition to the revised lending standards proving problematic, this change to fixed rates led to many new owners being unable to continue making their monthly payments. The new word of the day was short sale, where owners were allowed to sell their houses even though the proceeds were not sufficient to pay off the debt. It was and is considered preferable to foreclosure. As far as the effects on the real estate market, they happened in stages. Early on, many houses that had not sold earlier were now selling, and many new buyers were able to achieve the American dream, if only for a short time. The initial reaction was a surge in buyers clearing out our prospect pipelines as many who had been waiting to buy jumped off the fence. Then the market shifted. The imbalance of new buyers and for sale houses created stiff competition and drove prices up. It reached a point where the combination of historically low interest rates and historically high selling prices resulted in monthly payments similar to what would have occurred with normal interest rates and normal selling prices. However, the major difference was you can refinance a high interest rate but not a high selling price. While sellers continued to achieve great results, buyers were being impacted. Once adjustable rates started to reset to higher fixed rates, the market came to a screeching halt. If you look at statistics in my market for 2008 and 2009, you will see a precipitous drop in prices. The bottom line is that 2002 to 2008 was leveraged with many instances of bad financing decisions resulting in the bubble bursting. The irrational exuberance of many buyers hurt them for many years to come. As recently as a few years ago, I was still meeting sellers whose property values were well below what they paid many years before. Some refused to sell for less than what they paid even though they had a lot of equity, while others, unfortunately, had used their home's equity like an ATM and simply owed too much to try selling. There were many lessons to be learned, but did we? I still hear talk about trying to get more groups involved in home ownership. That's great, but the devil is in the details and the end does not justify the means. Instead of lowering lending standards, focus on why some people have issues with credit scores, managing debt, and earning a good income. Raising the minimum wage was not a viable answer either, and the effects are starting to become apparent. 
The current market, while some may assume it meets the Google definition, has some similarities, but a very different cause and likely a different outcome. The pandemic suppressed inventory levels. Some sellers did not want buyers coming into their homes. Some were financially affected by the lockdown and could not buy their next home. Many buyers were reluctant to visit homes or were also financially impacted. However, many buyers were still looking even though inventory levels were low. The imbalance created a serious buyer's market resulting in intense competition and huge price surges. That being said, it appears that these buyers were financially qualified, although I cannot state how valid appraisals are in a market like this as no one has a crystal ball. At some point, pricing has to stop rising and perhaps start to decline, doesn't it? And again, that will vary based on your area. Assuming and hoping that the typical new owner is able to make their monthly payments, I wonder how many will suffer repercussions such as buyer remorse if they bought sight unseen and or without inspections. How will what they paid impact their future decision making if they think about moving? A major difference between markets is that we're not seeing short sales and foreclosures resulting from loose lending standards. It's not to say that short sales and foreclosures are going away, but they're not occurring in the numbers that they did back then. While both outcomes will occur, the current causes have more to do with the overall economy in terms of why short sales and foreclosures happen. There's a lot more to what caused these two similar markets, and it remains to be seen what evolves in the next few years. As far as whether the current market is a bubble or not depends on how you define the term. To me, there's quite a difference between lowering lending standards so that more people can become homeowners and what's happening today when buyers seem financially qualified, even if paying over asking price and being extremely creative to gain a competitive advantage. Even if sales prices tumble, which they may as some owners enter the picture after the pipeline of buyers has dried up, to me that's more like a stock market correction and not a bubble based on faulty underpinnings. Semantics? Perhaps, but I've heard too many equating the two markets. While I respect and understand buyers expressing concern about buying real estate today, wondering if prices are sustainable, there's never a guarantee that real estate prices will appreciate in a straight line, if at all. Look at the stock market regularly and you will see this in action. There's always risk in any investment. But what are the alternatives? If you're renting, is there a more prudent bet than owning? You'll never recover your rent payments, and they continue for as long as you rent. If you've delayed your plans to move, what's the cost to your personal happiness and any other factors impacted by your staying put, wherever you are? Buying and selling real estate are personal decisions that deserve a lot of consideration. This type of market does not typically offer time to make a decision. These are emotional decisions justified with logic. Planning and preparation are just as critical today, even if the time available is shortened. The time to plan and prepare is not after you find a house you think you like. You'll end up sitting on the sideline waiting for somebody else to buy it. Start planning and preparing before you look so that you can jump in, if appropriate for your situation. Some lessons from the real bubble should be helpful. Contact me in 5 or 10 years and we'll have a clearer picture of what happened. As I close every podcast, please remember two things. First, there's no time for inexperience, empty promises, or false expectations. Second, hire wisely. We're not all the same.
Thank you again, as always, for listening.